Yay. All right. Hello, and welcome to Impure Rethought. Hello. I'm Meg. And I'm Victoria, a.k.a. Vika. Um, and welcome to our season finale episode, the end of season one. Yeah. Woohoo. Um, We're, what? <laughs> Sorry. We forgot to say what Impure Rethought is about. Oh, yeah. Do you? What's it about? <laughs> uh, Imperi Thought is a podcast about examining how purity, patriarchy, and profit have shaped Western culture. That's right. We're both real sleepy this morning. Yeah. So. <laughs> Meg is not feeling well. Uh, I just have a sleep disorder. <laughs> I don't really. really? I, I don't. Driving out here. I always have crazy dreams, like, every single night. But my dream last night was, like, particularly crazy. Oh, no. So, what was it? Oh, gosh. I have to remember. I just remember, like, feeling stressed out. Oh, yeah. I had a dream that my dad kidnapped me and, like, chloroformed me. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Because <laughs> he was going to send me to some camp or something. Which, like, to be clear, that is not something my dad would do. But <laughs> I was like, I was like trying to figure out how to escape my dad so I could just go home. Um, and that's I so wouldn't scary. have to go to this camp. Yeah. That's after well, I took what? my anti nightmare pill, too. <laughs> yeah, imagine how much scarier it would have been. Yeah. I'm glad you survived um, and woke back up from that. I did escape the chloroforming, but I ended up at high school, so I'm not sure that that oh, is no. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. I don't think I had any dreams last night. I was just sick and I just went to sleep like oh, a little. I wish that were me. Log. <laughs> yeah i sleeping is one of my talents i should put it on my resume i'm so you good really at it should. um oh speaking of resumes life update about both of us we have full-time new jobs yeah Woo-hoo. i actually don't know well nobody that i work with listens to this but yes i have a new job <clears throat> we've both got new jobs which is great because yes. We were both at various stages of mental breakdown about work. <laughs> yeah, we really were. Uh, it's rough out here, yeah. folks. It's and horrible I, to search for jobs. It really is. And I couldn't, like, talk about it at all, which was the worst thing for me, because I love yeah. to complain. <laughs> um, yeah, but now I will go from doing the workload of, like, four people to the workload of one so that's That'll great. be amazing yeah this is not the end we just both have lots of stuff going on uh like october november meg is moving um i have a lot of like big life stuff going on and we just need some time and nobody pays us for this so yeah <laughs> and it's a lot of work it i didn't know really how much is. work it was until we started yeah because we do all the research ourselves as well and we edit it, we do the show notes, we do all of that ourselves. Like, this is a two-woman show here. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, we need some time, 
But we will be back in early in the new year, and in the meantime, you have a whole season to listen to. We'll have a couple of special episodes, so we're not completely disappearing. We're just going to stop the bi-weekly episodes for a bit. But I think I speak for both of us when we say we both love doing this, and we would not just abandon it. So this episode is a little different from our other episodes. It's not, like, researched or anything it's just going to be our personal deconstruction stories, or um, as I like to call them, anti-testimonies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you grew up in the evangelical church, you know that a testimony is very important. So, all the time. these are our anti Has nothing to think ones. about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. This pure thought and impure thought business. Who are you to decide what is pure and impure? This is the way life is made. There's nothing pure, there's nothing impure. Life is just the way it is. It's for you. A culture that is obsessed with and prioritizes a separation from and control of natural human desire. I will go first with mine. Um, titled in my notes, The Story of Meg. So, <laughs> enjoy. A lot of this is going to be stuff that we've already talked about on the podcast. Like, definitely personal things have come up before. Yeah. This is more <laughs> linear. As most of you know, I grew up Catholic-ish. Went to Catholic church with my family on holidays mostly. Some other times during the year, just kind of like... I guess when my parents felt like it, I don't really know. <laughs> but, um, and I also did First Communion, which is like a year-long series of classes. It was every Monday afternoon after school, and I remember being very embarrassed about it. I was like seven or something, and I was going to this, like, private hippie school in Santa Cruz, and it was like felt so ashamed for some reason that I was doing this weird religious thing. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that I would look back on with shame as an evangelical and be like, I was so afraid to share Jesus with my peers. <laughs> as a seven-year-old. Yeah. But yeah, so Catholic-ish, the main like value in my household was just like one don't be dumb <laughs> that was like our rule the only rule pretty much growing up um <clears throat> and two like the main value was uh just to respect and care for other people so at my little private school in santa cruz um I learned all about evolution. I did not know about creationism until middle school when I went to Monta Vista. Mm. Um, I started going to an evangelical church off and on with my brother and sister-in-law. Um, my brother was 19 years older than me, so they were almost like a second set of parents to me. Mm. They got married when I was like five, excuse me, and were very, like, evangelical. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, they started taking me to their church. Um, I think they kind of took me under their wing, like, after our parents got divorced um, mm. and felt a lot of responsibility to, like, show me the right way. 
of growing mm. up. Uh, and so they started taking me to church in like fifth or sixth grade, I think. Mm. Um, and I would go to like the kids' church, which I really didn't like mostly because I was only going with them to hang out with them. Mm. <laughs> like that was what it was for me. And so I was like, why are they sending me away? Um, but yeah, it kind of became like our little Sunday ritual and we, our church had a coffee shop. It was one of those, like one of the earlier churches with coffee shops, I feel like one of the pioneers of hipster churches. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so we would go to church and then we would like meet back downstairs, um, at the coffee shop and have this drink called an oh my ganache which was just like a really thick <laughs> hot chocolate so that was what like evangelical church was to me as a child and then um after elementary school my parents like let all four of us uh, i have three older brothers they let all four of us like pick what schools in the area we wanted to go to for middle school and high school within reason obviously but my brother like my oldest brother went to york in um monterey heard of that oh Oh, really yeah it's like a catholic heard of that catholic school in monterey (laughs) um and that was like an hour away so like yeah it was insanely expensive when we like 20 years later when it was time for me to go to middle school but yeah um so i didn't really consider it but mainly why I picked Monta Vista was, one, my brother Ben went there 10 years before me. So I was like, cool. My cool brother went there. I want to go. My God, for a minute, I was just like, who is Ben? I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. His name, we, name we is don't Tito. We call Ben. Like, yeah. Yeah. We call I was him like, Tito. Is there, a, is there a secret brother that I didn't know about? Anyways, <laughs> yeah, go on. Um... <laughs> secret brother um yeah tito went there 10 years before me um and then the other reason was i was an enthusiastic and devout horse girl and (laughs) (laughs) they had a horseback riding program they sure did um and you you could do equestrian classes yeah you could do it instead of pe so i was like yes that is for me I somehow, I stopped doing the equestrian classes in high school. Like, mm-hmm. I think I might have only done it for one year, maybe into middle school. Or, I mean, maybe into eighth grade. But I somehow got out of taking any PE classes, oh, even nice. in high school. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I really don't know how I swung that, but truly <laughs> dodged a bullet, in yeah. my opinion. So I started at Monta Vista in seventh grade. Um, the school starts at sixth grade and a lot of Mm -hmm. people had either started in sixth grade and knew each other or had gone to school with each other, like gone to the school called Green Valley. Yeah, it was Um, big feeder school. Since they were, yeah, since they were in elementary school and all knew each other from there. So basically I was just this like little weirdo from Santa Cruz (laughs) Who, like, didn't know all my classes had been so small, so I had the same, like, six friends growing up. Um, And then suddenly I was in a class of, like, 80 people or something. And I did not know how to make friends or socialize, and so I was very weird. 
and well relatable. Yeah. And was bullied a little bit. Um people were really mean to me about my ears. Which Aww. I know. Makes me really sad. I love my ears now, but I was so embarrassed by them. Um but my by the way, my ears stick out a little. Um, that's like a family trait for those of you yeah, who are listening. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like you look like your parents and your yeah. brothers. Yeah. My mom and my oldest brother have the same, we call them sticky-outy ears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I kind of hopped between friend groups in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, I finally kind of found my friend group. A lot of them were super Christian, but I wasn't mm-hmm. super into it. I remember in a science class like they were the teacher was like some people believe in evolution but like that's crazy or whatever and I was like what (laughs) what is this school (laughs) so I was aghast by that um and yeah so I was like really not having this whole Jesus thing but then I had my come to Jesus moment in eighth grade um, this, sorry, family, I don't think you know this about me, mm-hmm. um, but I was, like, really depressed and suicidal feeling in eighth grade, mm. um, and I had stayed home from school one day with, like, the intent to take my own life, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, basically my come to Jesus moment was that, like, I felt like there was divine intervention, like, stopping me from doing that. Um, And I just, like, stayed in bed all day instead. Um, And so that was the moment that I became a Christian. Very emotional moment for me. And then it, like, basically my personality changed, like, overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, like... I don't know, I stopped hanging out with some of my friends who weren't as Christian as I thought they should be, and, like, stopped swearing (laughs) immediately. I was on fire for Jesus, as I liked to say. And then I started high school and met um, the person who would become my best friend in high school. Um, And we quickly became, like, extremely codependent. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Together, we got involved in a youth group at the same church I went to with my brother and sister-in-law. And I started, like, rebranding my, honestly, like, wonderful upbringing as having not grown up in a Christian household. So it was, like, shameful to me. Um, Even though, like, it was a Catholic household. Like, you know. Um, I remember having a conversation with my mom about it. And she was like... A what? Like you don't think you grew up Christian? I like, was like, no. <laughs> yeah. She's like, but we're cat. Like you did your first communion. Like that's not Christian to you. I'm like, no, it's not the same, Mom. You don't understand. <laughs> um. So yeah, I was insufferable, and I joined Bible leadership also for a couple years, which was a class at our school. Um. Basically, for people who, like, either wanted to go into full-time ministry eventually or, like, 
just wanted to be on the worship team at school or whatever, yeah. like wanted to be involved in chapel in some way. My junior year, my anxiety and depression kind of came out in full force, which now looking back, I'm like, um, was probably fueled a lot by my undiagnosed ADHD, um, mm. because junior year was where school, like, school and grades really, really started to count. Yeah. And so there was just a lot of pressure, and I hadn't figured out any productivity strategies or whatever that really helped me do my homework. Yeah, um, I think it's also important to note that Monta Vista was a college prep school. So oh, we yes. had a lot of homework. We had so much homework. And for some reason, every year I was like, I could take three AP classes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, like, I could. I kept up with the material in my brain, but not the homework. So... Yeah, a real struggle for me. Anyway, a lot of things happened my junior year. Like, first, I started to kind of confront my parents' divorce um, a bit more and, like, got a little more information um, from both my parents about that as, like, now less of a child, like, closer to being an adult. Um... And that was when Victoria and I had our big fight. <laughs> yep. Uh, which was also really rough for both of us, obviously. Um, and my brother and sister-in-law, who had been taking me to church, um, were, like, my soft place to land throughout all that. Um, and then towards the end of my junior year um my two oldest brothers died in a canoeing accident um which I was present for and so was my other brother Ben or Tito (laughs) um and obviously that was very traumatic which side note I for some reason until like legitimately a year or so ago didn't think that I had trauma from that <laughs> experience. Really? Yeah, I just like, I guess I just didn't really understand trauma and like PTSD, but I definitely do <laughs> uh, yeah. have those things. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so they died um, and like there went my support system too that I had been really relying on that year um like with that came one of my first big doubts about Christianity which was that um, my oldest brother Nick was like a very devout Christian um so I knew that he went to heaven and was very comforted by that fact but my other brother Raymond um was not a Christian and was like a wonderful person but had not like professed his faith in Jesus Christ or whatever so I was supposed to believe based on my faith that he didn't go to heaven and it just mm-hmm. like didn't match up in my brain and so mm-hmm. um so that was my first big question mark I guess about my faith was just like how could God, like, take my brother away and then not 
take him into heaven. On the flip side, I, throughout um, my junior and senior year, like, really leaned on the church. And, like, I was part of multiple churches at that point. Um, I really leaned on those communities, and they were super uh, supportive for me. So that also kind of helped uh, bolster my faith. Excuse me. Um, anyway, so my senior year, um, I, this is like a totally different vein, but (laughs) this was like the next thing to happen, I guess. Um, I went to a wedding between my two neighbors, which we talked a little bit about, um, in our, in our, uh, LGBTQ episode, but, uh. It was the first gay wedding that I had ever been to because gay marriage had, like, just been legalized. Legalized, yeah. um, In California. And uh, I had known them my whole life, pretty much. Um, They always built, like, the most intricate Halloween baskets for me and my neighbor. (laughs) It was amazing. Fun. Um, Yeah, so very, like, close to them growing up. Um... And I remember at the wedding, at that time, I was planning on studying theology in college. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like, as a high school senior, people are always asking you, like, oh, what college are you going to? What are you going to study? Whatever. Um, And people at the wedding were asking me that, too. And I would tell them theology very openly. And they were like, oh, and you're here? Like, (laughs) That's so great, you know? Like, it's great to see a Christian, like, supporting gay people. And I was like, is it? Like, is that rare? Like, it felt so weird to me. It wasn't really something that I had thought about before, I guess. Mm. Like, not being compatible with Christianity. Mm. Um, I'm sure I had heard things by that point. Um, Yeah. And that, like, Loveology series, I can't remember if that was, like, if that had already happened or if it was going to happen later that year or something. But, like, yeah, it had never really, like, stood out to me. So that was when I kind of started to look into that question a little more Mm. of, like, whether Christians can be uh, affirming of gay people and... Mm. I think I talked about this also in that same episode, but basically my view at that point was, like, you know, my neighbors don't claim to be Christian, so, like, how can I hold them to, like, the same standards I would hold myself to or whatever? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, then later, my cat is trying to climb on my desk. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I was in a sociology class that year, um, and every Monday we would, like, share a sociological, um, like, observation we'd made over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I shared that, like, people, like, I went to this wedding, and people at the wedding were really surprised when I told them I was studying theology, and, like, whatever, I made some sociological observation about it. Um, and I was really excited to share that with my class, um, and was expecting, like, a really warm reception 
and like, oh, cool, like, that's great. You showed them Jesus's love or whatever. And it was just met with like, okay, thanks for sharing. Next. Where like (laughs) normally, like every single one we would discuss as a class. Um, But not this one. It was, like, totally off limits. So I was like, uh, what? Like, (laughs) what is happening? Like, admire my love for Jesus, please. And also, like, (laughs) why don't you care about this? Um, So that was kind of my second big doubt, I feel like, about Christianity. Mm. was, like, I started to see this kind of what I felt like was hypocrisy in the Mm -hmm. church. Um, which it absolutely is. I, I'm not the only one that feels that way, but Fenway's like, yeah, <laughs> don't know if you heard that. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, the rest of the year, uh, the rest of that year was pretty uneventful, like just kind of fun senior year stuff. I dealt with my grief a little bit, but mostly just like kept myself busy and distracted. Um, <clears throat> and then in college, I was finally away from home um, and my family and, like, fully alone with my grief. And it hit me really, really hard. Um, I didn't really have any um, strategies to deal with it. I My dad had offered to send me to therapy. Um during my senior year, which I really should have taken him up on, but I was like, no, I don't need therapy. I have Jesus and the Bible and (laughs) pastors. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Regrets about that. But um, (laughs) yeah, so I just had no idea how to handle these like huge emotions I was feeling and I was feeling really alone because not too many people our age have dealt with like this kind of loss. Uh, Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, anyway, all that to say, it hit me really hard, and I was, like, in a very dark place the first couple years of college in general. Um, I quickly, like, shortly after starting college, oh, by the way, I went to, like, a little Christian evangelical college in Oregon called George Fox. Shout out to the Bruins, <laughs> but not the UCLA ones. Um, um, so shortly after starting, I started going to a church of God. Um, there are like a billion churches in the town of Newburgh where George Fox is. And so you really had your pick. Um, but, uh, the church of God as a denomination is like very focused on community building and community outreach and, um, and like unity between denominations. It's like a pretty nice if a political denomination. And Daniel and I started dating again almost immediately. We dated in high school also, our sophomore year. And then we ended up at the same college. Um Daniel is my now husband <laughs> for those of you who don't know. Um and we immediately like after starting to date in college, we're struggling to stay pure, um, <laughs> which, you know, as you can imagine, as like two 18-year-olds, it was a real struggle. 
Yeah. Um, and it was a huge point of shame for me specifically. Um, I just felt awful like every day about it and would pray like constantly and I don't know just felt so much shame like coming before God with like the same request to like forgive me for the same sin over and over um I know I know it makes me really really sad now I know um because I was literally I was so ashamed for just like kissing my boyfriend too much or whatever (laughs) like we were barely doing anything um which even if we had been doing more like i shouldn't feel ashamed about it but like you know it's just i again weep for little meg but anyway Mm -hmm. um throughout college also uh, my faith was like in high school too I feel like this is pretty common for evangelicals in general. Um, My faith was very centered on, like, myself and my own relationship with God Mm -hmm. and, like, how I represented God and the church and how amazing it was that God loved me, even though I saw myself as, like, um, unlovable, which fit in really well with my depression. (laughs) Yeah, I I do have to say that was one thing that never got me about the church i was like i rock so that's great i love that for you <clears throat> yeah no i like i like already was struggling with um i mean obviously like, like i started i like started my faith journey mm-hmm. in the throes of like feeling fundamentally unlovable and like yeah useless to the world and so that's kind of what carried through my um entire experience with christianity yeah but anyway um i also uh this is so dumb i was so insufferable but i was like generally unsatisfied with my friendships in college because my friends weren't like as on fire for god as i thought that they should be and um i missed my like high school best friend because we were so codependent (laughs) Mm. um but anyway yeah sorry to my college friends you're actually great (laughs) and i was just (laughs) insufferable but um yeah uh and then in 2016 my junior year right yes because i graduated in 2016 yeah yeah my junior year um obviously was the whole like trump campaign and election um which was the first time really that i had seen christianity be so politicized Mm. Um, and especially evangelicalism. Mm. Um, and that was my third, like, big doubt. Like, the big thing shaking my faith or whatever. Um, at the same time, I started to realize, uh, that I didn't want to teach. I started college as an elementary education major, and was like positive that that was what I wanted to do 
um, until I like got into a classroom <laughs> and was like, oh, actually, <laughs> this is hard and I don't like it. So, <laughs> um, so I ended up changing my major my senior year of college, which was a great choice for me. But overall, I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> um, it was very stressful. And now I have, like, a fake degree. But anyway, um, I studied English and um, specifically took a few journalism classes. There wasn't, like, a journalism major at my college. Um, But anyway, at that time, I wanted to go into publishing, so I probably wouldn't have done that. But anyway, my journalism classes um, really started to, like, open my eyes past the Christian bubble that I had been in for the last like eight years or whatever I got a glimpse of like what else was going on in the world and with like other human beings (laughs) beyond my small circle and I started to learn terms like purity culture and literally I didn't know the word misogyny until like 2016 um and the phrase systemic racism, like, all of these things that are, like, very mainstream and, like, normal things to know, but I just was so, uh, sheltered, I guess. And then, uh, this is very, like, maybe too much information, but my senior year, uh, Daniel and I had sex for the first time, which obviously, um, I was so ashamed about again we had just like gone too far I felt like and um we really did it this time and like there goes our virginity and our purity and it was like so so rough for us (laughs) at that time but at the same time I was like starting to kind of learn about purity culture and how problematic it was and how it's like maybe not even rooted in the bible and I was like oh wait 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 (laughs) this is not what I was taught um but I also felt like really I guess ashamed that well I felt like I was trying to justify my actions by Mm. like taking down purity culture or whatever Mm. um but they really just kind of happened simultaneously. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway. Um, so, yeah, I really started stepping away and started my actual deconstruction journey in my senior year. I was still very much a Christian um, until, like, I don't know, I'd kind of given up on the church but was still still considered myself a Christian until like probably 2019 or 2020. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just started taking like progressively bigger and bigger steps away from evangelicalism and the culture of that. And then Daniel and I got married and moved across the country. Um, and, We, like, looked around for churches for a little while in our new area, and everything, like, I was hyper aware of all the, like, weird messaging and, like, all the stuff that I'd started to learn about. 
And so I was super picky about what church we went to, and we ended up not finding anything for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And then eventually settled on a uh, United Church of Christ. Wait. Is that what it's called? Yes. I don't know why I always forget. It's a UCC. That's, like, all I can remember. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which I've said before is, like, a really nice, like, open, welcoming denomination. Um, so we went there for a couple years, but, uh, I don't know. I've just, at this point now, excuse me, I am more in the, like, agnostic, like, I'm not sure if God exists and I'm not really sure that I care to figure it out. (laughs) Like, yeah. It doesn't really matter that much to me. It feels kind of inconsequential. I'm like, believe whatever you want to believe. Just don't, like, shove it in everyone's faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that's where I'm at now. Um, yeah, my big goal these days is to just be as, like, open-minded and loving and... Um, supportive i guess as possible so that's a good goal i have a question yes is there anything that you've learned from like doing this podcast that has influenced your deconstruction journey at all yeah i feel like just all the research that we've both done um it's kind of fun like our different focuses of our research Mm. you know because i feel like i focus a lot more like on evangelical culture and like the church Mm -hmm. Um, and you focus more on, like, broader political culture, kind of. Yeah. Um, and so it's been fun to, like, learn both of those aspects, I guess, a little more in depth. Um, yeah, I guess, like, the more I learn about the world in general, the more I'm, like, evangelicalism is so ridiculous, (laughs) (laughs) not like to believe in necessarily but like i mean a little bit like i don't think that anyone should evangelize like i fundamentally disagree with that but like you can it's very christian you know i don't have a problem with that but it's just like i don't know how people feel how people sleep at night (laughs) evangelicalism is very culty Mm -hmm. it's this like closed system that like you can never escape from yeah there was that there was that tweet recently that was like everybody who leaves the church ends up in therapy and it's like you're not making the point that i that you think you're making like (laughs) if if everybody who leaves your institution has to go get like professional help mm, time to examine that oh did you read that as like someone in support of the church like oh if you know it the church you have to go to therapy or it's like it was a pastor who tweeted that oh okay oh fascinating yeah Yeah, i like didn't really look into who tweeted it but i read it as like lol everyone who leaves the church has to go to therapy (laughs) sucks for them kind of thing but um no it was like it was like a famous religious guy who tweeted that oh wow yeah he's really not making the point that he thinks he's making it's like (laughs) yes you're correct because we're yeah. all fucked up now like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, 
Fascinating. Cool. Um, yeah. Any more questions or? No, that was my only one. I think like I was there for a lot of this yeah, story. You so. were there and you've also heard this exact story before because we've talked a lot about it. Yeah. And also like, yeah, you talked me through a lot of it when we started talking yeah. again. And so, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's my story. Um, if anyone... I like, obviously, we started this podcast, and so I like clearly really love talking about this. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if anyone wants to like specifically talk to me about things, like, f- please do. I love to talk to you about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to our email, impurethought at yes. gmail.com. Or you could DM either of us, I guess. But yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing, Meg, your. Test your anti testimony. Yeah, that and was my anti testimony. I guess it's my turn. Woohoo! Yeah. So, um, contrarily to Meg, both of my parents were raised Catholic, so I wasn't really raised religious at all. I was raised with a loose concept of God. Uh, we believed in heaven and hell, but we did not go to church ever, not even on holidays. Mm. I always remember going to, like, an Easter egg hunt in Fresno. My family is from the Central Valley. So although we lived in Santa Cruz, we would go back to the Central Valley every other weekend, or my grandparents would come see us. We were with my grandparents a lot. Wow, I didn't realize it was that frequent. Yeah. Well, also some context. My mom and dad had me very young. I think my mom was 24 when I was born, Mm. 24, 25. I was not a planned pregnancy. My parents did not know each other well, and they had a very tumultuous and volatile relationship. And after my younger sister was born, Megan, they got married. And then my older sister, Melanie, who is like a month and a half older than me, she's my half-sister, came to live with us. And so before before I was five, I'd moved maybe like six or seven times because we kept going in between Santa Cruz and the Central Valley because um, my parents kept getting back together and then splitting up and then getting back together. So we lived with my grandparents for a while. We lived with my uncle. We lived with my other uncle. We lived with my dad's friend. We lived by ourselves. And then we lived with my grandparents again. I had I spent a lot of my childhood in the Central Valley with my mom's family and then uh, sometimes with my dad's family as well. And we, they were all, everybody in my family was raised Catholic, so none of them went to church. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was very, like, white trash, is how I would describe, like, Central Valley, white trash. They, they drank, they smoked, they swore, they all had children unplanned. Like, it wasn't anything crazy, it was just kind of how, sort of, white trash people behave (laughs) and so that's like the environment that I grew up in and then when it was time for me to go to school so I could already read by the time I was two which is very common for autistic girls to be hyperlexic Um, but when it was time for me to go to school they were not going to let me start public school until I was five and my birthday's in November so I would have had to wait a whole year to start school and I could already read so it was like what am I gonna do and in public school at the time this was like 
1999 when I started school, maybe 2000. California was ranked number 49 in public education, and it wasn't going to work for me. So I went to um, a very small private school in Santa Cruz. And when I say small, I mean, like, I think the most students we ever had in the entire school was like 80 to 100 kids. The largest class size I ever remember having was my fifth grade class. It was 12 kids. <laughs> it was a weird little private school with a curriculum from the 1920s, and I had a great time there. They let me work ahead. They let me read. I remember doing a research paper in fourth or fifth grade on Henry VIII. Uh, which was a very autistic thing for me to choose. <laughs> they were just like, pick a world leader. And I was like, great, let's talk about the English Reformation. <laughs> um, and I was only supposed to write like three pages and I wrote 12. I had a great time at that school. And uh, the school itself was like not religious in its curriculum, but a lot of people that went there were also loosely Christian and then at that school, my mom met a mom of one of our friends who was in the evangelical church. My parents got married when I was four. I remember their wedding. I was there. And then we moved a lot. Um, it wasn't, it was a very chaotic household. My older sister had a lot of like, behavioral issues related to like a traumatic childhood and so I took great pride in being a quiet good smart child and I was very punishing to myself if I ever did anything wrong my parents marriage started like really falling apart around when I was like 11 or 12 and that was right around the time my mom started hanging out with um the mom of another girl that we went to school with and she went to twin lakes church which was like a baptist mega church it's like the biggest one in santa cruz and we started going to church which i did not like because i had never had to get up early on sunday before <laughs> and we we had to dress up and we always wore these like outfits from the children's place and i hated them um i had lived a very sheltered childhood because i wasn't we weren't allowed to watch or listen to a lot of things because they could easily exacerbate my older sister's behavioral issues and then my younger sister was also pretty wild so there was just there was a lot going on um and when we started going to church like it was i think some much needed structure for my family but i didn't have a good time it's funny the things like as a child that we pick out as like this yeah. is why church sucks and you're like the <laughs> yeah. outfits and I'm like I don't get to hang out with my brother like, who are all these kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean to be fair I also like was in a room because we went to the youth group mm -hmm. and it was like there were a lot of boys there and they wanted to play ball and i was like i <laughs> do not want to do a sport yeah. thank you very much in my fancy skirt yeah i really didn't like the youth group we would sit around they would like make us read from the bible it was a bunch of people i didn't know well mm -hmm. um at this point in my life i had exactly one friend and that was just fine with me <laughs> and i really did not appreciate like being forced to socialize i never have but it in particular, I didn't like that. And so we kind of like went to youth group 
for a while and slowly, very slowly, I would say, became more religious. My parents divorced when I was 13. We moved again. And then this was the time where we got really into church. I would say before it was like we would go every other week or um, like once a month. And now we started going every week. And I had to go to the youth group. And then sometimes I also had to go to like the adult service. We started going to different churches. And then at the same time, my elementary school, which was K through eighth grade, uh, went out of business. And so everybody from that school mostly went to Monta Vista because at the time it was the only school that was on the same academic level as Cardin, my elementary school. I actually nearly went to Robert Louis Stevenson in Carmel, but it was too far away, um, which is a Catholic school. Um, And we, we at this point still lived in Ben Lomond, so we still lived like up in the mountain so it would have been like an hour and a half drive not that Monta Vista was close either no but closer than an hour and a half so we went to Monta Vista because it was a college prep school and I was a very smart child I am also the first person in my immediate family to graduate with a four-year degree So we went to Monta Vista, we moved, I was not having a good time. This is when a lot of my sort of mental health struggles started to present themselves. I was super anxious going to Monta Vista. It was way more children than I had ever been around at any time. It was like, I went, I went from a class of 12 people to a class of like, I don't know, a hundred maybe, which is still a really small class. But to me, that was so overwhelming. Yeah. I think there were 13 people in my sixth grade class and then like 80 in my seventh. And I was like, what is this? And it was like, they were like, I, I had mostly gone to school with the same people I'd known my whole life, and, like, Mm -hmm. one of them was my sister. I had known the same boys. I had known the same girls. Like, my, my world was really very small. I had lost my only friend, and so I went to eighth grade at Monta Vista, like, immediately got bullied, uh, not only by my classmates, but, like, my, literally my first day at Monta Vista was accused of plagiarism by my English teacher because my <laughs> summer reading assignment was too good. No, and that's terrible. Yeah, so we got off to a really bad start there, and I was just like, like, why would anybody ever accuse me of this? Like, and... um it was it was very distressing for me the girl who really just wanted to be to perform well and be good at school in 8th grade i developed something called trichotillomania which is a form of ocd which is an anxiety disorder where you pull your hair out and i actually picked a bald spot in my head because like that's how stressed out i was about <laughs> being at this school um I started to have really, like, bad physical symptoms of anxiety, and then in eighth grade is also when I started experiencing panic attacks. I remember a lot of times in eighth grade, I was taking the uh, high school level French class because I had, I was too advanced. Like, at that point, I was, like, already pretty fluent in French, 
And I, so they just moved me straight up to French 2 with the high schoolers because I was too advanced for the middle school French class. Mm. I was honestly too advanced for the high school French class, but that was all they offered because I'd taken French my whole life. And I often, in my French class and in my English class, which was my last class of the day, often would have to step outside, have a panic attack, and go back inside. Or I would just have to, like, go out and cry for a bit. Um... At this point in my life, I think I was also probably experiencing sensory overload because I hadn't had that many people in class before. I hadn't had that much noise, that much social pressure, or that many fluorescent lights on me all day. This kind of like evened out at the end of my eighth grade year. I made some friends. They were drama kids. I was a drama kid. Um, I was good at acting because I could memorize lots of things very quickly. So I often got like big roles in plays because I always knew my lines when I was um, a kid. And then so I made friends with the drama kids. I became a hardcore theater kid. Throughout this time, we kept going to church, but I didn't really like get into church um until uh, my junior year of high school which was when me and you became really good friends maggie and and we really got into it together (laughs) um (laughs) i was just like yeah i'll do bible leadership sure um Because I think I think it gave me a Bible credit, and I and I did not like my Bible classes, so I was like, "Yes, I will sing on the worship team." Yeah, you're like more singing, wonderful. Yeah, sounds amazing. Great. Yeah, I've touched on this a bit before. I do not like worship music. It does not generally appeal to me. It is not interesting. Um, I was very very into theater and choir and I was very focused on my own like future and performance career and I remember this being a point of contention uh, with other people because they would be like like how are you planning to like serve the Lord and I was like with my beautiful voice like and and <laughs> acting same. yeah it was it was hard to reconcile that for me for some pe- for with some people uh this whole time as well i was having like terrible mental illness i was so anxious and i was so um like i picked my skin really badly all the time i would still pull my hair out i like destroyed my hair in high school because i was so anxious um i picked my split ends off all the time um so I was having, like, bad physical symptoms. There were a couple times I could not go to school because I was too anxious about it. Um, it was a lot of social pressure for me, a lot, that I did not really know how to handle. And my home life was really chaotic. So I just, like, and I wasn't finding the structure in church that I think other people were finding because Mm -hmm. I also found that a very stressful social environment where I had to be with people that I didn't know well I had to make small talk all the time and I just like wasn't interested I was like I literally only want to talk about Harry Potter like that's (laughs) (laughs) I do not care about anything else and half these people weren't even allowed to read Harry Potter yeah, that was that was honestly really frustrating for me. Yeah, it was, like, was mind blowing for me. I was like, oh, what? Harry Potter was my original hyperfixation. <laughs> so 
I was just like, I don't have anything to relate to you people about if <laughs> if you have not read Harry Potter. So yeah, I found I found church very stressful, very uncomfortable. Lots of adults talking to me, but not about the things that I wanted to talk to adults about, which was like politics. <laughs> um, my family is also very conservative um, because they're from the Central Valley. <laughs> and so I had grown up in a lot, like just hearing a lot of conservative rhetoric. And then that was kind of doubled down on at the school that I went to. Because Monta Vista was very openly conservative and it was kind of crazy, some of the things that they taught us in school. It was also, however, very academically rigorous. I was also stressed out about that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I had several hours of homework every night because I took a bunch of AP classes and... I mean, I did well, but at what cost? I think my graduate, I think my high school GPA was like 4.5. Wow. Um, Maggie and I became very close my junior year of high school. I got really involved in Bible leadership. And when I think about this time in my life now, like it really feels like I was going through the motions, like desperately trying to find somewhere to fit in. I was a big, like, flitter. Um, I flit between a lot of different social groups. And I had a couple of close one-on-one friendships, but I did not fit in really in a group. Um, I was friends with a lot of the people who had come out at Monta Vista and were not greeted with kindness or acceptance. Um, And... Yeah, I kind of tended to make friends with the people who were more social outcast. And then when I joined this Bible leadership team, all of a sudden, I found myself in the middle of, like, the popular kids. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, I do not belong here. And it was, that was very, like... It wasn't necessarily stressful, but when I think about it, like, it feels like I'm remembering, like, a role that I played. It was not very fun to hang out in that group. I no. felt like I felt like I was trying so hard and I was like this I is really, really was. Yeah. yeah, it was very it was very unnatural for me mm-hmm. and like the thi- I didn't necessarily have the same sense of humor that they did. I came from a very different background because I wasn't raised Christian. My parents were divorced. My parents were not only divorced but like extremely divorced. It just was not what I was used to at all. And I remember, this is such a weird tangent, but you remember, so this was like probably 2011, 2012. Uh, there was like a period of time where everybody got really into One Direction. Um, <laughs> and I remember like not liking One Direction that much. Like I was like, it's fine. It's just not that interesting music. But I like, I was like, all right, I guess I'd better pick a One Direction boy to be into since everybody else is into One Direction. So I picked Zane and I was like, yeah, I love Zane. Zane is the best and I love One Direction. But I would only, I would like fast forward through all the songs to only listen to Zane's lines. <laughs> so I like, so I like knew what everybody was talking about. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So that was like a lot of my high school experience. Then 
at this time, a lot of my friends didn't live near me. I was also, my mom was a pretty strict parent. I wasn't necessarily allowed to do a lot of things. I did not drive. I did not have a car. So, like, arrangements had to be made if I ever wanted to do things on the weekend, but I wasn't necessarily allowed to just, like, go out and hang out wherever. So, I spent a lot of time on the internet, specifically on tumblr.com and through tumblr i actually ended up like learning a lot about feminism and a lot about um history which is interesting to think that that happened on tumblr but that that was indeed my entry point and my senior year of high school this was after you and i had had our big fight um I started to, like, do some actual, like, academic reading about feminism. I read The Bell Jar my senior year of of high school and looked Mm. into, like, psychiatric abuse of women. My senior year of high school is where my mental illness struggles really, like, came to a head, where I, like, just could not get out of bed. I was sleeping, like, one or two hours a night. I was up all the time. I was so anxious. I was having panic attacks all the time. I was having meltdowns all the time. I was very unhappy. I wasn't like quite suicidal, but I was definitely like teetering on the edge there. I hated everything and everybody kept telling me like, you're a teenager. This is normal. You're a teenager. This is normal. And I was like, I don't think this is normal. Like I... I am having a really hard time being alive, and I remember talking to one of our Bible leadership um, leaders and telling him that I was really struggling. I was really having a hard time. Um, I was, like, having lots of physical symptoms because I was so stressed out and I was so, like, unhappy And he was like, well, you're not praying hard enough. That was the first, I would say, big pitfall for me, where I was just like, what is wrong with me that, like, God isn't saving me? Um, Because I feel like I'm supposed to, I'm not supposed to be this way. And something is wrong with my faith. And I can't reconcile this in my mind. Then... Towards the end of my senior year of high school, honestly, I was a really angry senior. I was not fun to be around. Um, I was very mad all the time at everybody. (laughs) And I'd had... Okay, like, years later, after you and I had our big fight, I had had another very close friend, probably the closest friend that I'd had at that point in my life who dated your best friend. And years later, I would find out that when you and I had our big fight, your best friend, like, basically went around to everybody everybody that I knew and was like, you have to choose between Vika and Meg. And uh, most people chose Meg, which was fine because she was much, generally much more pleasant to be around. <laughs> and... But, like, I woke up literally, like, overnight and, like, half my friends wouldn't talk to me. And that was very distressing. Um, And I didn't find out what happened until, like, I was, like, fully had already graduated college at the point that I found out that that happened. And that was, that was very distressing to me. Uh, Very unchristian behavior there. Yeah. 
And so I had, like, in one fell swoop, lost, like, my two closest friends, and it was just, it was a bad time. And then my senior year, I had done a lot more reading about, like, feminism. Um, I had investigated some, like, uh, like, original, like, female authors. That was the year that we read Frankenstein in class, and I was like, let me look up Mary Wollstonecraft. And I started to notice and also vocally call out some of the hypocrisy around women in the church. I specifically remember in Bible leadership having a conversation. Yeah, having a conversation where one of the boys was talking about struggling with like impure thoughts. (laughs) Um (laughs) about like when girls dressed immodestly and I was like, how is that my fault? Like, how is it my fault? that your thoughts are impure. That seems like a you problem. And then I did not really get to speak for the rest of the year. Yeah, That was another big wake-up call. That's a moment that I remember a lot. And yeah, I, I had started to challenge, not only in my own mind, but vocally, like some of the roles of women, because especially because at this point, I was headed off to college to be a drama major. And it was very different from the thing that most women were studying which was mostly education or theology (laughs) we had a couple of like science or music people but most of the music people were going to lead worship and the science people were science people so nobody cared (laughs) so i remember getting like uh, some flack about like having this different path that I had chosen for myself, being very frustrated and challenging, like, why is it, why is it only acceptable for me to be some sort of, like, caretaker or preacher? Like, what if that's not what my role is? I think another important thing here for me was that I do not want kids and I have never wanted kids. I don't like them. I am not natural <laughs> with children. Um, I had done a, I had done a couple of like volunteer things in the church because that's what they do when you're a teenage girl. Like you have to watch mm-hmm. children and I hated it. I'm, first of all, I'm not good at it. Secondly, I hated it. Like, I remember there was one kid that I liked because we were both reading Percy Jackson at the same time. Mm, And yeah, he was great. Shout out to Josh. He's like 20 now, probably. But I remember that being like a huge point of contention when I would challenge that. I was like, I I do not feel that my calling is to be a mother. Um, I do not want to do that. I, I had a lot of like generational trauma in the family that had not been addressed. I didn't feel like I had a good support system for it. Um, I was terrified of men and being around anybody that had a penis. And um, I was just not like into it. And that was something that was constantly people would be like, you'll change your mind. You will meet the man and then you'll want to have a family. You will want a family. And I was like, I really don't want that, though. Like, I really just don't think I do. Um, But you will. You will. Just I will. Well, I mean, I've now met a man and I still don't want kids. So... (laughs) 
Yeah, so that was like my high school career. And then I went to UC Irvine, which is a giant public school, like 22,000 students or something. Easily the largest school I'd ever been to in my life. I think my first lecture at UCI my freshman year was bigger than any class I had ever like any like whole class size I'd ever been in there were like two (laughs) two or three hundred people in it in my graduating class yeah my graduating class in high school was like 150 maybe uh, Mm -hmm. maybe less than that and so at this point I kind of didn't really know where I stood I still considered myself politically conservative at this time which went away about three months into my college career. And um, I so I considered myself politically conservative, pro-life. Like, uh, I had no strong opinions on gay marriage because it just didn't really affect me at that point. And then I went to a public university and UC Irvine is 49% Asian. And so I met a ton of people who had been raised Buddhist and... It was not something that I had ever come into contact with before. And they, like, the way that the evangelical church talks about people raised in other religions is like, they will tempt you, they will corrupt you, they will sway you. And it's really just like, oh, it's just a different perspective. Yeah. It'll just widen your worldview. Scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, true. I was one of like maybe three white people in my dorm that I lived in, um, which was also a new experience. And like we had a couple of like Christians in there, um, a couple of Catholics and then a lot of Buddhists. And like I remember being very scared that I was going to be like pressured into like drinking and having sex on my first day at college. And everybody was like, (laughs) everybody was like, no, I've never had a drink either or I've never had sex either. And I was like, oh, that's normal. We're all 17 or 18. (laughs) Um, And so I would say I went I went to church one time in my freshman year and I remember this very vividly because I remember going to this church and afterwards being swarmed by members of the church who were like a new person and it made me so uncomfortable I was just like can (laughs) I please leave um and that's something that I still hate about church whenever my Mm -hmm. mom forces me to go because uh, they see, especially if it's a small church, they see a new person and they're like, we must capture them. And yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm already a Christian. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, you don't need to save me. Freshman year of college was pretty, like, uneventful and lame. I didn't, I didn't drink at all until the very end of my freshman year of college. And then I actually ended up blacking out, like, the first time I ever had alcohol. And then I didn't drink again for several months i was with friends thankfully so i just like went to bed but um (laughs) that's good i remember uh another significant moment in my deconstruction journey there was a guy in our dorm who was a devout christian um and i had a friend in our dorm and we were at one point having like a party because one of the guys had a fake id or something just in in somebody's dorm room and one of my friends got really sick and we thought that he had alcohol poisoning and the devout christian guy we'll call him jeremy um it's a good name for one of those. Yeah, came back and we had asked him to call 
911 and he refused and said that he wouldn't he wouldn't like support this behavior and i and i got so angry i was like dude he could die please put aside your judgment for a second and just yeah. help like i like i know that you don't agree with it but this guy is not a christian so can you please get over it and call the ambulance um yeah. our, our ra came and helped and it was fine um my ra was very cool thank you colin and <laughs> shout out to colin shout out to colin uh fuck off jeremy (laughs) (laughs) so i remember that at that point um jeremy was one of the only other christians that i knew and i remember being very angry and shocked and surprised about this i was like how could you proclaim to like value human life and then not help when somebody is like literally having a life-threatening struggle um my sophomore year of college is when things got really crazy for me so at this point i had not addressed any of my mental illness at all and i (laughs) yeah i was just like i'll go to college and it'll go away because everybody was like you're you're a teenager you'll be fine um i was very much not fine my mom brought me when she moved out of her house she brought me like my journal that i kept in college and i like and it has a a lot of poetry in it which is like the first if anybody is writing poetry or doing stand-up comedy take them to the psych ward immediately i've done both (laughs) um (laughs) and like i was reading through and i was like this bitch was not okay like it's really (laughs) So my sophomore year, I was very anxious. I was very depressed. I was very suicidal. And this also, I like had graduated out of Christianity. I would say at this point, I considered myself loosely Christian, kind of how I'd been raised. Like, I kind of believe that God is there. I don't believe in the institution of the church. And it doesn't do anything for me. And I am ready to like experience the world so i graduated into that uh kind of the exact moment that the sex positivity movement came to a head in um western culture and i honestly like i didn't go that far into it but i did have a boyfriend my sophomore year of college who i lost my virginity to and i my mom found out and (laughs) We had a great conversation about it in an airport Panera. And then... um <laughs> story. I mean, I hate it, but, like, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny now. At the time, yeah. was was not what I wanted to talk about. And we, like, had an hour and a half drive home from San Francisco where I was, like, told, like, I was setting a bad example for my younger sister. And I was kind of like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, it's gone. I I can't get it back. Like, the decision has been made. Um, (laughs) And this was, I mean, this was, like, maybe a month or two after I had, like, made my sexual debut. And I don't... I don't... Sexual debut. Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, regret that decision. Um, I do think that now I would have done things differently. It was not necessarily, like motivated by the best reason because i was kind of like i want to get this over with um and i don't want to have to see the person that i get it over with 
afterwards um because <laughs> he was an exchange student <laughs> yeah it was like i was definitely coming from like a mentally ill place <laughs> and <laughs> the relationship itself was like i didn't like it wasn't necessarily a bad relationship but i really didn't know what i was doing and i had been raised to be very afraid of and like subservient to men with mm. with the school that we had gone to like it wasn't necessarily something that colored my personal life at all but that was the only way that i knew how to interact with men and so i just like didn't really stand up for my needs in that relationship and it wasn't like i don't know it wasn't like bad it wasn't abusive or anything it was a fine relationship but it just wasn't like I think about it and I think I have a lot of pity for myself that I had been taught to devalue myself as a woman and that yeah. on the flip side of the purity culture thing is like once your virginity is gone, like I had this vision of myself as somebody who whose only value now was sexual. That was the only thing somebody would be interested in me for and that like i didn't have anything other to offer than my purity basically which i no longer valued that part of myself but it felt like with losing that i had lost all the other things in me to value and that like <clears throat> compounded really badly for me and i didn't love irvine as a town i like had again lost a lot of friendships because i'd had a bad breakup the year before i wasn't i had changed my major and i liked my classes and i was doing very well in school but i wasn't sleeping i wasn't taking good care of my body i really like had very low self-esteem um I didn't drink that much, but when I did drink, it was in excess. And I just, like, was really floundering and really, like, lost. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a good support system. I didn't feel like I had good self-value. Um, and then I got, like, extremely suicidal the summer before my junior year of college. And I ended up getting my cat, Dimitri, uh, who is the best little boy. And that <laughs> did pull me out of that. He really helped my mental health. And I got on antidepressants. And I started to finally, like, go see somebody. I originally got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, OCD, and PTSD. And although I don't think that those diagnosis are, diagnoses are accurate, at the time, it was, like, mind-blowing to me to have somebody put a name to what I was experiencing and be like, you are not, like, you are crazy, kind of, but you're not, like... Um, <laughs> like, this is a well-known... Yeah. Or, like, an understood phenomenon yeah and it's and it's not your fault because i had i had mental illness in my family i had like family members that struggled with addiction and alcoholism my whole life um and so for me to hear that not only was that like something that genetically could be passed down to me it was something that could be treated was very 
like affirming isn't the right word because I feel like I definitely lean into like I am mentally ill for the first couple of years. It felt like it didn't have to necessarily be the end of the road. Like I didn't have Mm -hmm. to be like like this forever. Then my junior year of college was better. I graduated in three years. Um, So I went to study abroad and I had a great time. And then I moved back to Russia. Um, Russia also, I think, changed my worldview in a lot of ways. I, I met people who were Christian. I met people who weren't Christian. I met people who weren't Christian and were like actual fascists, fascists. And then I met people who were Christian and were lovely old grandmas. So it like, um, it was just a very different perspective, which isn't that relevant to religion in general, but, um, it definitely like opened up my worldview the other thing that living in Russia did was really like I had to confront um, the church as a power structure because it's just not as ingrained into their culture as it is in ours, which we have talked about a bit in our communism episodes because they killed God. And so seeing my family and my younger sister at this point was at Monta Vista at the high school that we had gone to, the education quality had gone down, but the social was maybe even worse because this was around the time of Trump's election. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, I was like seeing this from very far away and thinking about the church as an oppressor and um, how deeply ingrained it was into people's lives and especially my very conservative family who were on Facebook all the time. Uh, this is about the time I logged off of Facebook and never logged on again. <laughs> and just seeing the ways, like, like my experience of God um, and my college education, which um, included a lot of study on the war on terror and on Islamophobia. And then I did my my thesis, I did it on uh, sexual violence in war movies and the sexualization of violence in war movies. So a lot of those war movies were about the war on terror or the Vietnam War and kind of like Mm -hmm. religious wars. So it was like a compounding of history and then our, at the time, present reality of this like right wing emboldening that uh really that was i think where i completely lost faith i was like i just can't see how these two things can be true at the same time i had not been to church in a long time um i remember my mom asking me if i ever went to like an orthodox service and i was like no like it's in greek um (laughs) i don't speak that language and they're like three hours long um oh my god yeah yeah i also sang in my college choir which like was not a religious choir and it was the only non-religious choir i'd ever been in and i found that experience a lot more affirming than the religious choirs but also choir kids are on more drugs than anybody ever like if you (laughs) if you think it's like the frat people that are on drugs no it's choir kids the music majors (laughs) I remember one time there was a guy that I stood next to for a certain arrangement of a song and um, I remember asking somebody like 
does he like not like me he like never talks to me and they were like no he's on acid every time every time we (laughs) have um so yes and then i moved back to the u.s um and then i got my autism diagnosis in like mid 2020 that was something that i'm honestly still processing i think i've come to a much better understanding and like moved through most of the grief part of it but that really like made me reconsider how I had felt about the church and my social struggle in it um and I was able to adapt sort of my mental health treatment um to so that it like worked with what I actually have because I'm not bipolar I have autism that has helped me more than anything in my entire life. That that simple diagnosis has radicalized the way that I live and the way that I view myself. I would say, like, that was, like, the nail in the coffin for me. A lot of my frustration with, with the church had come from that I was trying really hard. Like, I wasn't... I wasn't not trying. I was making so much effort and getting so little reward for everything in my entire life. And the autism diagnosis like was like, okay, here you go. Here's an explanation. Um, like there's n- there's nothing wrong with you. You're just different. Stop trying to be somebody that you're not, basically. And which is like very standard advice, but you can't tell that to somebody with autism that diagnosis made me really recontextualize a lot of the behaviors in the church and a lot of like how i had tried to make things make sense that didn't make sense and then something that a lot of autistic people experience is a strong sense of justice which i definitely experience and is the reason that i like always quit my jobs i never i never like this is the first time in my life that i'm going from one job to another job like I always end up like burning out and being like I can't be here anymore I have to quit right now um because it's just unjust and it doesn't make sense and when I think about like the way that our school operated and the way that the church operated and how especially in its treatment of women in its treatment of LGBT people and as I came to understand my own sexuality and like I had arrived pretty early like my freshman or sophomore year of college at an idea of like sin is something that causes harm to other people um then like sexuality like didn't fit there I was like who who is this harming who is who is women having power harming and who is like gay people having relationships harming yeah it was very radicalizing for me to understand how much I had tried to sort of mutilate myself and my own personality and my own natural way of being, not only in the church, but especially more heavily in the church. And I think I was more socially punished in the church than I was outside of it in order to fit in and to be good and to be an acceptable person that people like praised and liked yeah so now i would also consider myself agnostic like i'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of god i think 
I like the idea of like some sort of higher power. As I learn more about other religions, um, and then also from doing this podcast, I think like I think that's a very like natural human inclination to look for answers that we can't find. And mm-hmm. um, but it's 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 much more difficult for me to sort of suspend the logic and suspend the disbelief now um i don't consider myself like a militant atheist or anything i also think those people are annoying i have i also consider like my basic like moral principle to be like do good and serve the world and like the purpose of life is to like care for other people Mm -hmm. and that's like how i guide my life but i will say Sometimes when I have like a near death experience, I do pray. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Also, a very natural human inclination. Yeah. Sometimes it's not even God, though. I'm just like, literally, whoever can hear me right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my story. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing your anti testimony. Those are our anti testimonies. If you would like to share yours with us, We would love to hear them. We really would. Maybe if we get enough, we'll do a special episode. Ooh, yeah. You can send us. You can send us a voice memo if you want. Yeah, whatever you prefer. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a voice memo would be great because then we can put it in the podcast and we don't have to read it. (laughs) Yeah, and if you have any questions or want to chat, feel free to hop in the Discord (laughs) or email us um yeah this is we've said this before but this is our season one finale we've got a lot going on through the end of the year but we will be back we will if you would like to support the pod Mm. you can follow us on where are we apple Podcasts, (laughs) twitter and instagram spotify oh i was thinking about the actual podcast oh oh yes it's on spotify and apple Podcasts, which is the only one i check but we should also be available on stitcher some other stuff. Acast just sends them all, t- sends it to a bunch of different places. But yeah, I don't even know like if anyone uses those other ones. But I met I met somebody who uses Stitcher, and I was like, "What? Who are you?" Weird. Yeah. Anyways, if we get to a hundred followers, we have a very special episode planned for you. <laughs> so tell your friends. Um, you can follow us on social media at twitter and instagram at impure rethought you can follow us individually those links are on the show notes you can leave us a review or a rating on spotify or you can hop in the discord or or you cannot do any of those things but make sure that you listen to our entire season one catalog like 40 times yes please do that would be great and download it all yeah (laughs) would also be great rate us review us yeah cool Um, we'll be back you're you won't you'll hear from us a couple of times in between now and season one and we will let you know how things shake out (laughs) when we're back we will um yeah thank you so much for listening and we've had a great time doing this podcast it's been lots of fun. fun yeah and I think we have had a lot of fun, especially with the people who come and chat in the Discord and who have sent us 
their thoughts. It's been really great to hear from you all. So yeah, yeah thank the best you. Part is the feedback. So yeah. thank you so much. To we are very motivated out. by external validation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, and we are ex- excited to come back well rested for a good season two. May, May your, your thoughts, thoughts stay, stay dirty. dirty. Bye. Bye.